welcome to the Agency Thinking Podcast Season 2, where I'll be talking to a range of folks who support agencies across their specialisms. So that's freelancers, contractors, consultants, and getting a viewpoint from them about what makes an agency tick, as seen from the outside, and uh, an understanding and discussions and a chat around the whole agency ecosystem. Today's episode sees me talking to Dave Thackeray. I should call him the irrepressible Dave Thackeray, uh, a man with a huge amount of knowledge about all things content marketing and a huge amount of enthusiasm too. He's always a joy to talk to. In fact, he was a joy to work with when we both worked for the marketing department at Manchester Met University a few years ago, both going in there as independents, as consultants, and that's when Dave and I uh, first struck up conversations around all things agency. Uh, then... Fast forward, Dave co-hosted and produced the first season of this here podcast, so it was great to get him back on again. He had loads to talk about. As always, let's have a listen. It's great to be back, Mark. Great to see you. I know we are recording this on Zoom, but this will be audio, so it's always nice to see the whites of your eyes. We don't seem to do that half enough these days in any meaningful way so good to chat yeah so since series one uh lots changed obviously at the time uh, i was pondering a few avenues to explore and i've had the opportunity now through lockdown through the pandemic which i think has forcibly disrupted everyone in every different industry in every different sector no more so than in your agency world and at the time I was working in the education sector beavering away on plans to move beyond that and to really share I mean Mark you know we are long in the tooth but uh, very much long in enthusiasm as well in passion of 25 years now working in content essentially from from the the bright days of journalism all the way through what you would pitch as, as commercial work, working with big companies and small companies and then forming my own company, word of mouth, which kind of sat on the back burner while I was working as an employee, picking up all the tricks there as well, working with agencies and understanding how agencies are challenged by yeah. the client. And I think all of those lessons coalesced for me to give me my own playbook for what my own client-facing company would look like and revert into word of, word of mouth. I mean, that was something for me that was started on a whim, right? So the, the, the very quick sort of origin story of that was that I left a big company, Wyndham Worldwide Hospitality, run a whole heap of hotels across the world, left there, set up my company because I wanted to see what I'd learned, uh, went over to Australia, emigrated there for two weeks and came home. Long story short and lots of things going on there. And so I really had this chance then to reboot and really put myself to the test, you know, put my foot to the pedal and the rubber to the road and, and see what people needed from content and communications back in the day. And bear in mind, this was 2009. So there have been a lot yeah. of lessons learned since then <clears throat> while I've sort of worked almost in skunk works mode, right? So sort of low level stuff and picking up sort of freelance assignments while I've been doing, I mean, everybody says it's all about the side hustle, uh, which I don't agree with 
at all because i think you know especially now the science is there to back up that we don't multitask very well and you're paying people are your employers or your clients and you want to give them the very best service so uh, you know i tended to do sort of very small projects on the weekend or whatever at the, the time and sort of see what worked and what didn't all the way up to the the present day and i'm, I'm excited to talk with you mark about what's happening right now through what I learned through your very kind, very incisive ministrations during the first season. You refer back to of agency yeah. thinking when we set a blueprint, if you like, for what my world would look like moving beyond and, and how I would sort of support the agency world as well as support clients. And so, yeah, very recently, I, I kind of made a very concerted effort. Now I'm free from the shackles of being an employee of launching Word and Mouth V2, cool. which is very much uh, based on pay for performance, uh, a different model. Uh, I did a lot of canvassing, a lot of opinions from people. I've, I've built quite a network mm-hmm. on, on LinkedIn during the past few years. Find out a bit more about people's concerns through the pandemic the fact that we're all we're in this perfect storm now where nobody i don't think has a very clear vision for what the future looks like and because we're all looking for reassurance we're all looking for guiding lights and north stars a lot of clients at my level bear in mind i'm sort of a a, an indie uh (laughs) working as an agency a lot of people at my level when i'm sort of really sort of starting to bring the word and mouth brand to life are nervous about budgets and they don't have a dedicated professional communications person in their team so they are in this sticky wicket sense of not necessarily knowing what they need they don't really have a budget for it and they don't know how far they can take it so as a Day through some incursions of mine and actually doing some real live projects, I found that there's a real appetite for this pay for performance model, which effectively means no money down. You let me do some research. If we between us reach a consensus, and I won't go into too much detail here, but just to sort of set the yeah, scene. Yeah, well, I was um, gonna, yeah, cool, yeah. Just to sort of uh, lay the foundations and, and, mm. and understand their business and their ambitions and the people who make up the business because content and communications relies on passion on the client side. If if it's a perfect fit for me and it works for them and we can agree with us between us some metrics that show that we have achieved some kind of growth in some area, yeah. then we can set that performance payment model free. And really that's that's kind of where, where I'm at. So as I say, I've, I've started to actually prove the concept now. It's started to work. I had a couple of great projects that have been completed now that actually okay. have resulted in payments. So yeah. here we go. This is the new world, right? We're all in sort of experimental mode and that really is where, where we're at. So I'm, I'm excited to see how things go. And as I say, Mark, before we properly start, thanks to you for all of your contributions, all of your experience to not only myself, but the agency world, because uh, really exciting nice times, you. challenging times ahead. Well, they are challenging times. I think you're, you're um, the first, so, you know, we haven't kind of set this up at all, and, and other than having a quick exchange on on LinkedIn about, you know, can you, can, you, can you jump in and it'd be good to have a chat. So I'm hearing some of that, you know, genuinely for yeah. the first time. And there's, it, it's an interesting for me, it raises, I'm sort of leaning forward, quite literally in my chair, as you were saying, <laughs> I was thinking, this sounds like an, it's an exciting proposition that, 
has been played around with or talked about for ever and a day with a lot of agencies, you know, yeah. particularly clients say, we don't want to pay the large fee that you're putting forward. How about we will pay you depending on whether your marketing campaign works or not. And I'm broadly speaking, because there's other pricing models around value or pay per time, et cetera, um, pay for resource. Um, broadly speaking, I would say I'm right in saying that most agencies have resisted the payment by results, you know, pay, pay for performance route because there's a, there's lots of moving parts. But yeah. I think what you're saying is you are accepting of the fact that there may be moving parts. And I'm guessing, and you probably might not give too much away in terms of any agreements you've got with folks, that your caveat to an extent that everything that you do, the wonderful stuff that you're doing in terms of all things content and marketing and strategy will be caveated with if everything that you deliver gets to the front door of their shop, inverted commas, but then they, you know, not speaking any marketing terms, balls it up by having a, a really awful sales approach or a really bad customer service ethos. You're not going to be judged by that. You have done the things you said you're going to do. And there's a marker in the sand that says, you know, we've agreed, as you're saying through KPIs, I'm doing this. And then that's, I can judge my worth and you pay me, not they become a repeat customer or not that, that you you lose that that customer at the moment of, of actual purchase. Is that fair? Because that's what my leaning forward anxiety for you is kind of yeah. how far do you go with your agreement? You've got to have something really clear there for folks. Yeah. I, it, to, to unpack it to a, a level that is meaningful, I'll, I'll explain sort of my thinking behind this because yeah. while it is fairly rare to have been executed and you're absolutely right, a lot of people have conspired over what works, what could work for my organization because it's not all about the client. As you say, it's got to be the right fit for both parties. Yeah. And yeah. this is, you and I have talked about this and we talked about this on season one as well as how do we go from provider to partner? So yes. It's essentially the, the same kind of paradigm as shifting someone from a user to a customer. So we are, to some extent, a utility to the client mm -hmm. as a provider, yep. but to be a very embedded, meaningful part of their longer-term future. And agencies always talk about, how can I turn this service into a retainer-based service so it's not just a one-off hit? <laughs> There's there's an awful lot of stuff right now where we are trying to become more bonded to the client. So that CLV, that customer lifetime value, doesn't just apply to what the client wants, but it actually applies to us as an agency working with a client. We can see a five, seven-year runway for working with that client all of a sudden. And 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 it's a lot of a lot of the time now it's about it's about proof of concept. And uh, we, we, there are a lot of things that I do. You know, you hear about things like uh, lead magnets, for example. And I'm working yes. with a, and I can't speak specifically to no, the client, obviously, but I'm, I'm working with uh, a woman over in the US who runs her own courses at the moment. And so I've got, uh, we, we, we work through the process. So ultimately, she obviously wants to get people to try out her first free lesson. And bear in mind that competition is fierce in the uh, learning, the e-learning market right now, obviously, yeah, apart from the fact absolutely. that higher education providers are desperately fighting for their lives right now because you've got all of these online providers and Coursera and edX as well as yeah. uh, on deck. There's some massive disruptive forces now that either work with 
traditional players or they work against them. And so she's obviously trying to fight and she's got her own niche, which is great because I think it's that same adage about niche is nice, but she's, she's working in a very niche space. So we were able to say to, and I say we, because we talk like that, don't we? We're in the agency world. Yeah. It doesn't matter if there's one of us or a hundred of us, we are still we. No, <laughs> no, it is. It's a turn of phrase, which is used. I think it's without digressing. So I won't. But it's a useful uh, um, approach to take yourself a mental model to talk about we when you're talking about the business. It is. And as well as us looking bigger than we are, <clears throat> which can express, uh, can impress certain people, it actually gives us the confidence as well. Because you know, yeah. when, when, it, yeah. when we boil the ocean, we are all winging it. We're all pretending to be adults. So it gives us that certain tour de force. Uh, so there's there's two parts to to my arrangement, our arrangement with uh, this client, which yeah. is one is to uh, attract people to sign up for the free lesson. But then because I've been and talking about the provider to partner evolution, I've also been working with her to tweak the content of the communications that the user, because they haven't yet paid, will get once they sign up for this first lesson in the course. Because I strongly believe that as that partner by updating the messaging around it and making it more sticky and making it more appealing and inspiring, that I'm able to then uh, play a pretty active role in turning the user into a customer to actually essentially sign up for the entire course. So this performance-based payment model works for me on two levels. A, I've got the assurance and it's been proven now that I've been able to drive people through outreach marketing. So working with uh, outlets that, that work in this niche to encourage people who read those outlets to try the first lesson of the course. So I've been able to hit them on that front. But as far as a sort of um, expanding the ADA attend, attraction, yeah. interest, desire, action into yeah. an ADL model, which includes loyalty at the end, I'm turning the user into the customer by actually yeah. impacting my expertise and my communication skills that I've picked up over the past quarter of a century, I feel like a right hobgoblin at this point. Um, yeah, absolutely. To, 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 to actually be that, be that partner. So she's cock-a-hoop because yeah. she's found somebody and she's, a, she's a, an independent uh, bit like myself. Um, she's found somebody who she feels is almost like a, a partner in the business now is actually paying an active interest in uh, the cogs as they turn inside the yeah. business and is not just helping to get people to the website in the first place. So, it's all about flexibility here. Um, but mm -hmm. just before, before I carry on, so, so there's a few, few things here. So in terms of me as a communications and content company, you may argue that my metrics are easier to measure in that, yeah, sure, it could be, let's measure my impact on conversions. So for every conversion, you give me 5%. And we can yeah. use an attribution model to identify how people have got to that point of conversion. Mm -hmm. And obviously, if it relates to points where I've, I've played a part and it's not a precise science, but I include that in the agreement with the client to yeah. say, you, OK, you, you describe that imprecision to make sure that you're covered, as it were. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, well, you might say that some of the metrics that uh, relate to the world that I work in are very easy to define. You also could argue that any metric in digital marketing or in digital uh, is easy to identify. But, but also, whether you are a graphics designer or whether you are an engineer who's been brought in to add some new functionality or whether you're updating the UI or whether you're an agency uh, that's working across the whole piece, 
the metrics are everywhere. Think about feedback. Uh, you you could measure. You could use Hotjar and yeah. do some uh, session recorded and see how people behave on the website. How much more quickly people get to the point where you are defining success, or people all of a sudden tell you that they they love the website and they've they've been massively impressed with how much easier it is to get the information they need. So. It's how you want to work with the client and how you, from my point of view, and I can only speak subjectively, how how you want the client to feel through the work that you do for them yeah. and ultimately where you see your business is going. Because for me, I'm, I'm very keen not only to work with agencies on a sort of almost like a no risk model, because, oh, you know, yeah. if they haven't got the content communication support that can work with me, but also it's about building almost like a, and I've written about this before, it's it's about building a network of small agencies with specific specializations yes. so that we spread the risk and then there's you 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 get involved on a more sort of low key basis. This is at the end of the day, Mark, and this is how, I, how we began this. For the client, it's about experimentation because they yeah. don't have to shoulder the financial burden of going into an arrangement with with an agency uh, that is based on whether they make money or not uh, but also it, it just makes sense for for the operator for the agency uh, because we are we are starting to experiment with this whole way of of working uh, with a different model with a different paradigm and where success looks different depending on the arrangement that you make with the is, client. is that primarily um, you mentioned they're working with agencies so, um, which I know you're, you're you're looking to do. Do you feel you might be doing that already? But do, knowing agencies as you do, because you've been in and around agencies for for you know for for many years, you know, they operate, you know their personality in inverted commas, and putting aside individual cultures within each agency, you know broadly speaking the the how an agency behaves. Yeah. Do you think it's going to be a a tougher sell to get agencies to kind of stop and, and discuss the way that you can add value to them through this payment by results model versus talking direct as you are doing to maybe a maybe not a great expression solopreneur or an independent business direct uh, where you know have you thought that through that and it's not a leading question as such but agencies sometimes don't i feel don't have the time to stop in it and talk to new partners potentially they just want to crack on with something and if they give you a brief and you say, this is great, but I can do it a different way, they often get slightly kind of angsty thinking, well, we haven't got time to understand your new way of working. Do you think that's an issue or am I just worrying on your behalf for no reason? No, the, the, we are we are operating in a, in a strange world, strange times, and, and yeah. there are no concrete answers. I, I, I totally empathise and I agree with what you're saying there. I think the agencies that I've worked with on this basis have been mostly rooted in engineering and I've made contact with them through startups because my preference in this offering this model is to organizations that have a story to tell and also have the potential to be more valuable to their customers and users than they currently are. Uh, They are mired in a lot of complicated business situations, which means that they're not necessarily uh, making it easy on themselves to tell their story. And I know it sounds very fluffy, but when I say tell their story... Just to jump in, what you're saying is, I'm going to take this as a soundbite and play it back to some CIM students that I'm tutoring at the moment. I talk to them about the thing they're doing with CIM. 
um, all about telling stories. And uh, we had a, a short half of a module uh, only two nights ago talking about content. It was a content marketing 101. And I, my oh. take was, and you're the master of that because this is your world more than mine. But it was everything you're saying absolutely resonates. You know, people who sometimes just get into the functionality of what their business is don't think about the brilliant story they can tell. That's where you come in and, and encourage that from them and work with them to, to craft it, I guess. Anyway, that was a diversion. But I was nodding my head enthusiastically as you were saying, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, storytelling. Back to the back to track, sorry. So the whole definition for me of, of storytelling for the organization is acutely different to how we might have perceived storytelling as a kid, because storytelling is generally speaking to uh, arouse emotions, to derive some sort of reaction. And, and, and to a degree, Mark, that is, that is true. But storytelling for, for business and how we skew our content is is purely from a utility perspective. It's about behavior change. And storytelling for profit is uh, leagues different to storytelling that we've been accustomed to as kids and, and ideally throughout our lives. So when I'm working with clients on the whole storytelling piece, it starts at the very beginning as to why they exist. Because one thing that we've learned, and I've spent, as you have, an inordinate amount of time on social media trying to figure out what it is that gets people positively agitated. And when I work with organizations, I'm always asking them about the people. And it's not necessarily about the brand essence. It's about what the people inside the four walls are doing, what makes you different. And you and I have spoken quite extensively as well about the lean canvas and when we're starting to approach what our business actually stands for, more often than not, it's based on the people that are inside it. And ideally, I'll work with organizations that still have their founders intact or their chief ex executive officers. I can't remember. The CEOs are clearly I've, I've tripped over my words here, which is unlike me. Um, but chief execs who um, have got a passion for the product that they're selling. And it's not just a, a business game. You know, they, they get really close to the customers. And there's there are a lot of organizations like this. And the story about those organizations always radiates from the people. And so when we've been putting together content and a content strategy, we've always based it on the people that operate inside the businesses because it's exactly those moving parts that will resonate and empathize best with the people who will become the prospective customers, who will become the users. And when you've got a formula like that and you can prove that the formula works and that it's irrespective of industry sector when i do a lot of work whether it's whether it's d to c or whether it's b to b the end users in the person who's going to consume that content those communications that story is always fascinated with the people who live within the organization and i just think it's something where a lot of people slip up Mm. And I, I, was, I was doing a study very recently on Snowflake, which is a huge, huge data warehousing company. And they became so obsessed with what their IT leaders wanted to see from them in terms of tech specs, in terms of all the sort of the real brutishly business-like figures and stats, that they actually overlooked the fact that the one key specimen of information that always works 
for every organisation, as you know well, as we all know well, but sometimes we just need reminding of it, is the case study and the testimonial. Yeah. And more often than not, I'll go into an organisation, I'll be like, okay, tell me about your customers. Tell me about your customers through the mouths of your customers, not with your bias intact. Show me some of the logs. Replay to me, GDPR notwithstanding, obviously. Play back to me some of the information about customers, anonymize it. I don't want to know names. Show me about the customer, what makes the customer, and then we'll start telling that story that will ultimately become your storytelling pitch for profit. And it's remarkable how easy it actually is. When you get down to the brass tacks, how easy this whole customer communications play is for any organization. That's why I get excited about it because I know, and just going back to where we started this whole sort of um, pay for performance, that's why I'm so confident. And that's why I'm confident that any agency can do this with a bit of foresight because A, you choose the metrics with your client and B, you know your world inside out. You know what you can and cannot do. And if you need to call upon additional expertise outside the organization, the solopreneur, as you were talking about before, the freelancer is usually more open to the idea of going for the pay for performance model because their overheads aren't as significant. And also because this expands their portfolio and any small time player who wants to get big wants that portfolio, wants them to be seen to be bigger than they are because that's their aspiration to become that organisation. So it's a great, exciting space at the moment, Mark. I'm, I'm really excited to see how it goes. I think you, you've, um, you've, I think you've, you've made a really, you made loads of really good points, but just at that end one there about the overhead aspect for agencies, I guess that's where, you know, I was saying earlier that there's some reluctance for, a, for agencies traditionally to look at this model themselves. It's because they have got the the fixed the fixed costs of, of lots of people and and a bigger space. You know, maybe some of those spaces are going to downsize slightly and there'll be more sort of yeah. more business center hub ways of you know collaborative agile spaces or whatever rather than a huge office in the city center. Maybe in the next eighteen to months to two years, and things might change. But there, that does mean that within the ecosystem of um, marketing support or marketing communications for clients or other agencies in your case, um, the, the folks who don't have those same overheads can be a bit more fluid and flexible. And and maybe, I guess what we're talking about is taking some more of a risk. It's risk loading, isn't it? You're, you're Because you know your craft really well and you set out the store with your, your potential client or partner of the future, you're more confident that you're trying to take risk out of that conversation. You know, you, you're, you haven't got the risk then of, look, I've still got a, a building that's normally sits 50 people to pay for. So maybe it's going to be more of the smaller agencies. So everything from the freelance to the, the, the small independent agency to then the smaller, as in maybe 10, 12 folks as an mm. agency, who are going to look at this model as opposed to the bigger, chunkier machines who shops who have huge overheads. I don't know. You, you've come out with season two, whenever season two is coming out, but you've come out at the right time to start stimulating a conversation around the next because it's been hastened upon us, this yeah. Yeah. forced disruption upon everyone is really happening now. And I 
I spent a lot of time studying the work of Chris Hurd. Chris Hurd is one of the partners in a company called First Base, and First Base had a lot of funding thrown in its direction. Very recently, they provide companies with remote working solutions. So they'll work with a company of any size, and they'll say, okay, well, what do your workers need now that you're in this totally right. new world? And this essentially shows that we only just very, very recently, uh, as we go to press, heard that uh, Deutsche Bank were making some really serious plays towards saying to all of their colleagues, look, we're going to radically change the way that you work. You're going to be working from home a lot more. It's going to be mimicking where we've been during the pandemic, but for the long term. There are Lots of huge organizations. Ironically, the only major company that hasn't spoken out about this has been Google, uh, which is really strange because you would have thought, you know, first among equals. But this is where, as an agency of any size, there are a lot of very robust home truths that are being told right now in terms of the size of the organization, in terms of the footprint, the physical footprint they take up, their locations, how they're going to work moving forward. And as we redress the balance and as we understand that we're probably going to have to work radically differently with clients and that will hasten the way that we approach our own business, whether we start thinking, okay, well, we're actually going to expand our repertoire now in a, in a different direction because that's really what we sense that clients need. Or we, we, we've all heard about the no code movement, the fact that people yeah. are starting to increasingly take on their own development work because it's easier, although that's got its own set of risks. I understand that. But yeah. There are so many different ways that the world is moving right now that this is probably an opportune moment for any agency just to start thinking about what would the future look like if we reconfigured? What do our clients need? I'm, just before I left my last place of employment, we were we, 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 we started to engage with, with an agency and the agency was, was a great agency. I spent a lot of time finding them and then taking them on board and they're the right agency for us. But as soon as the discovery phase, and I use that discovery phase uh, mm. analogy, it's called different things in different places, but fundamentally it, yeah. Yeah. it, it relates to the starting of a project, as you know. Um, but through the discovery phase, when we'd, when we'd already assigned the cost or the, the budget to the project, when the discovery phase began, we quickly realized that a lot of the things that we needed had not been originally scoped as part of the project brief. Yeah. And instantly that puts a huge amount of pressure on the agency because the agency's got to have some very difficult discussions with the client to say, we haven't really talked about this and we're giving you the budget because we're trying to work in a very new world order with very old world principles. And you, everybody was talking about this whole thing about agile is the future and waterfall doesn't work and Gantt charts were the work of the devil. Well, actually, as it happens... Everything is cyclical. And I do wonder now, as we start reassessing our place in the world as agencies, there's going to be some big changes. And I don't know for sure what the nature of the employee is. I don't know whether we start being eminently more customized to the needs of our clients and actually offering a different bundle of services or the way that we work with the client, whether that is radically different, whether we need to re-examine the model and the process, because invariably it, all of the technical ways of doing things seem to be usurping all of the traditional ways of doing things. So yeah. we're building agency models to adapt to traditional ways of doing things, but they are slowly evaporating. So there's so many questions right now yeah. about the role of the agency that 
I'm thinking that the right agency, the agencies who are going to emerge intact from the disruption that has been forced upon us by the pandemic, are going to be radically different. And like I said to you, whether they are providing services or whether they're providing partnerships is the question that I chew over daily because yes. that affects me, my organization. It affects the agency and crucially it affects the client because the only way to give the client what they need is to nurture the client's mm. long-term viability and scope for growth. Yeah. And at the moment, the way that we're working with clients and the way the reason why I want to work more with this performance-related model is because we can start doing a series of quite meaningful experiments to define exactly what that future may look like. The current way that agencies, in the main, in my experience, work with clients is to scratch that very short-term itch. So... yeah. We're just in a really strange place and an exciting place. And I guess, yes, you're absolutely right. Going back to the very beginning of the conversation, I'm in a luxurious place in that I am an independent practitioner. Uh, I have got less, you may argue, uh, on a large scale to lose. But equally, I've found something here that really works for me. And I just hope that whatever the weather that agencies find whatever is right for them and that's going to take a lot of navel gazing and that's going to take a lot of people like you mark who are expert in this world to guide them and to be that north star to help deliver the outcomes that the agency and the client needs where are you now then for your your journey uh, you've you've launched out there are you yep. looking at it in a you know have you set yourselves a kind of uh, set yourself a, a, a three month to 12 month kind of approach to say I'm going to get more of my own content out there I'm going to be um, I'm going to be sharing insights you know so I'm not looking for you to to lay out a content plan here and now but I guess you are you're at that stage where you're ramping up your own um, profile and reach would that be fair so I'm just curious about that if you want to cover that off yeah and I live the brand really because i'm constantly experimenting so verified user on twitter so i've kind of yeah. abused that to a degree you know by um making sure that i can get in the sites of people i want to talk to and uh, doing a lot of digital networking um yeah. I've, I've, I've always been the guy at networking events in a physical nature who has the really robust one-to-one -one conversations i'm i'm terrible in a group i'm great at presenting <clears throat> but i'm just terrible at hanging around with people in groups and never kind of know exactly what it is that I need to say. Um, <clears throat> I'm always kind of listening out to think of ways that I can help people, but I'm not necessarily contributing in a big way to the, the conversation uh, when you stood around with five or six people wearing suits and you're the guy in the polo neck. Um, so there's that. Um, so I do a lot of digital networking and on LinkedIn as well. Um, these are the places typically where I've been able to make um, some impact by just making people think differently. And, and in fact, LinkedIn yeah. is, is where I've, I found the business for word and mouth during this yep. pandemic, which is like the recession of the pandemic. Um, so, yeah. so, so, to, so, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you know the the flywheel has, has, has started for me, my marketing flywheel. So, uh, you know, I, I'm very clearly um, as word and mouth. I'm, I'm, I'm depending a lot on word of mouth to yeah. to to grow my business. As far as this is my this is my pitch, I mentioned to you before and i'm more than happy to share it that i've, I've been recognized as um my from my boss has been a, a bit of a maverick um and i think often agency owners will agree that you need to have 
a certain ingredient in your DNA to be successful as an agency owner because you've uh, got to keep the ship sailing in the right direction. Uh, you've also got to be coming up with uh, things that will take people's breath away or, or change their views or change their habits and behaviours. So this this really fits for me. And it's kind of when I decided that the employment route was not for me. So I'm wholeheartedly committed to this because I know it's got legs. Um, I'm, uh, the model seems robust uh, and right for the times. Mm -hmm. Whether in the fullness of time, five, 10 years from now, I might end up saying, you know what? It was a great experiment. It paid its way, but reluctantly because of the size of the agency world, I'm going to go back to a more conventional model that I followed up until eight months ago, then maybe that might be the case. But in terms of the, the plan for the organization, I have done my lean canvas homework. I know my three customer segments. Yeah. I'm already in conversation with them. I know what tickles them. So the content that I put out there as my marketing, I've not even entered into PPC yet because like I say, I'm predominantly word of mouth, yes. uh, yeah. getting a good reputation. Um, the content there is, is aligned to the weaknesses of the prospective clients to plug gaps. And really for me, marketing has always been about being meaningful, valuable, informative, helpful, I'm, I'm not the kind of guy who goes out there and puts something on uh, the Google search results. It's, it's not really me. I'm, I'm, I'd much rather do a workshop or a webinar or do some free training because, again, a lot of my time, I'd say 30% of my time at the moment, is spent on marketing. And also working with charities as well, so to yeah. get uh, to get some some good feedback in, uh, doing some pro bono work oh, makes me cool. feel good. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. CSR in action, uh, and also you know it's another source of 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 endorsement and and recommendation, yeah. and yeah. You know, it's just another way that I've managed to get paying clients in. That's that that is um, that sounds like a really good combination because more than anything that's working for you you've you've discovered yep. where your your comfort is the areas that you are comfortable with and do well at so for example as you're saying linkedin or, or speaking so actually leading other people as opposed to just talking in a group i think that's so important for everyone isn't it is to sort of find the comes back to that bullseye thing with new business you know find the stuff that that you can narrow down to being the stuff that resonates with you you feel genuinely comfortable doing not just doing it because other people say you really ought to be doing ppc and stuff that get, gives you the results that you're looking for, whether that's direct, immediate client work, or as you said there, maybe some great feedback and testimonials because you're doing some pro bono. If it works for you and it's a business, a new business approach, then that's an approach you should take. Um, don't for me, Mark, just to finish off there, just to finish off there, is uh, being unique and being clear as yeah. well as being valuable, because let's face it, at the end of the day, I think there was a big arms race a long time ago with agencies to write blogs, and the blogs never really sat comfortably because they were mostly quite preachy or behind the scenes. You could tell that there was a subtext to it that was by me. Um, and and did you you know I, I wrote a book, and it's 10 years next year, shocking, called Sharing Super, that's 2022, Sharing Superheroes, which was all about um, going down this approach of giving everything away. So don't fear telling people everything you know, because 99% of people aren't going to use it, but 99% of people are going to be impressed that you bothered. And yeah. so yeah. From, 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 my, from my point of view, being unique and being clear 
in everything that you do, from the landing page to the interactions that you have with a prospective or current client, because a current client is obviously more valuable than a prospective one. Um, the, these, these, are the, these are the two things that I've always, since I started out as a journalist, always been part of what has sold me, what's given me my, my MO, is if I, if I can't show you why you should bother with this and I can't make it stupidly simple for you to understand, then I, I can't even call myself a communicator. And, but, but I think these are the soft skills that everybody needs. And I think the, the, the things that every agency needs, and because we all write, we all know how to speak with each other. And uh, just, just, just put that, wear that on your sleeve, show people that you're very clear, show them that you can empathize with their situation. And more importantly, show them why they should choose you. And that's where the uniqueness standpoint comes in. But those are the only two things ultimately that from this conversation, these are the two things that everybody should take away because they will make a world of difference to your organisation. Dave, thank you very much. There's, there's, there's a, there was a huge amount there that we've covered, a smorgasbord <laughs> conversations around all things, uh, uh, communications, uh, how you, almost as a meta conversation within this one, is like, you know, how you've moved on with from season one yeah. and talking about getting something off the ground to actually you are getting stuff off the ground yeah. and you're taking your own medicine, as it were, as a communications expert. Um, that was brilliant. Thank you, it's sir. It's B works, Mark, isn't it? But uh, thanks for all that you do as well. You make a big difference to the agency scene. So may you thrive and prosper. Likewise, sir. And may we meet again in a physical space, have a coffee and have a catch up. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for everything. To those days ahead. Take care. And um, I will speak to you soon.